With some people, it's kind of like saying to them, you got to just go out and date and maybe just go have some sex. Get it going again. Because you can shut off that part of you, which we all might have done in periods in our marriage where you just forget about sex. I feel like it's kind of a training thing. You kind of have to keep doing it. You kind of have to keep having sex regularly. It scares me. I guess that's my thing is that in my life, it did not happen for a long time. So I think part of it is like, you just got to keep, keep on training for it. (laughs) Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the hub for our weekly discussion about what to expect when you can no longer expect. I'm Ann Katari. I'm Judy DeMello. And hey, 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 I'm Sue Delara. Hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Sue, you're really excited today. (laughs) My interview with sex therapist Beattie Cohen was so fascinating. She really has had me thinking a lot about sex and relationships. I have so many questions, some maybe not having to do with menopause at all, but I think no matter how old we are, Sex remains something we always think about. I'm thinking about it right now. (laughs) Get your mind back into this. We're recording. Okay, I'm back. Here I am. So yes, sex is something we should be thinking about all the time. And we do think about all the time, or I think about all the time. And that's why we have covered it in many of our previous episodes. And Sex should be a hot topic at any age. So true, but I have questions. Me too. Like, when do you decide to see a sex therapist? And if you're having issues in a relationship, do you go to a marriage counselor or a shrink? And what if you don't have a partner? Can a sex therapist still help you with intimacy issues? They're not just for couples, right? Come on, Sue. What is it? So many great questions. I could have chatted with Beattie for days, forever, about all those things. We covered topics such as love at first sight, lack of communication between partners, what to do if you're having a real shit sex life, extramarital affairs, whether you can still have a great, fantastic, over-the-top orgasm in your 40s and 50s. And I don't know, we covered a lot. Mm, So, sex but Sue... I think we're good and ready for this interview with Beattie, so let's go to it. Welcome, Beattie. Great to have you. So I have so many questions, and one that I kept asking myself as I was preparing, what is a sex therapist? Well, I deal with both men and women, all ages and stages in life and genders who are presenting with sexual concerns, sexual problems, including lack of desire, inability to have orgasm, premature ejaculation, erectile dysfunction. And I was very, very fortunate that my postgraduate specialization training at McGill University in marriage and family therapy and sexual dysfunction, that 
that I was able to be trained using the Masters and Johnson method for dealing with sexual issues. So it's a process and you have to do a very in-depth evaluation to find out A, what the problems are, and then more importantly, what we need to do to go about resolving the issues. In your book, For Better, For Worse, Forever, I know you list reasons why people have problems in the bedroom. Maybe we could start with that. Maybe you can tell us some of those. Well, absolutely. Okay. Number one, Sue, and for all of your listeners, each of us need to be in a healthy emotional and physical state if we plan on having a good relationship, sexual or otherwise, with anyone. The issues that may be interfering with our ability to enjoy sex, things like depression, anxiety, stress, low self-esteem, eating disorders, lack of sexual desire, substance abuse, early child sexual abuse, religious beliefs, because all of these things affect our sexual desire and the ability to be able to have desire for sex and of course let go and achieve orgasm. And we also need to be comfortable with our own bodies and comfortable exploring our own bodies on our own in order to determine what does and what does not arouse us. So how can we expect our partners to know what we like and don't like if we don't know ourselves? So that's the first thing. Number two are relationships, especially for the majority of women must be healthy and and satisfying if we are to enjoy a satisfying sexual relationship. Because just think about it. If we're not feeling close and safe, and if we don't feel that our partner cares about us sexually and emotionally, most women are going to have difficulty, you know, being able to not only relax, but being able to even desire having sex. So this is why women are finding hookup sex. And I see a lot of younger people so disappointing and and sexually frustrating. And I routinely receive emails from college age women and they're surprised that they're not having satisfying sex and orgasms with their hookup partners. And my response to them is, why would you be surprised when you're with someone who you really don't know? And why would you think that a hookup would really care about whether you were sexually satisfied or not. So that's number two. Number three, there are so many sexual side effects uh, from a multitude of prescription and over-the-counter medications, including, including a lot of antidepressant medications, high blood blood pressure medications, cholesterol medications, and these medications, and people really need to know this, can make it virtually impossible, A, to feel desire at all, but also to be able to achieve orgasms. And then, of course, we have the the challenges of illnesses and, and physical problems, including cancer and heart disease and a variety of different problems, pelvic pain. But the thing is, is that we need to, of course, get to the root of the problem. 
And even if we're not able to have sex in the way that we think of sex, intercourse, uh, etc., we can always touch and, and kiss and caress and that kind of closeness. And of course, if we're looking at menopause, look, our estrogen levels and progesterone and testosterone levels for women, they drop. And so does our desire oftentimes for sex and our ability to achieve orgasm. So again, we need to be proactive and talk to our doctor about what we need to do, what is going to be in our best interest. And I know that most of you know your listeners are going to be women, but we need to also talk about erectile dysfunction. And you know, men these days, and studies show that between 52% of men between the ages of 40 and 70 at some point have issues with erectile dysfunction. So it's really important to get a diagnosis and not just ask for the Viagra, the Levitra and the Cialis, but it's really important to find out whether or not there is nerve damage or blocked vessels or depression or performance anxiety or the culprits, alcohol or drugs. The importance of, of communication, of course, cannot be understated. And if you're comfortable, use vibrators and pornography and give yourself permission to do whatever it is that you need to do again that is in your best interest that is not destructive or self-destructive or self-sabotaging that turns you on and with couples I mean so many couples these days everybody's busy 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 and you know I suggest make dates for sex because if you're always waiting for that perfect time especially after you know many years of, of marriage or being together it may rarely if ever happen so these are some of the things actually that people really do need to consider if they're finding that their sex lives are off or non-existent or just simply lackluster. That covers a lot, (laughs) but I can see one issue I believe is definitely communication. I've been told that communicating with your partner is key to keeping a good, healthy sex life going. But how do you learn to communicate when many of us grew up in a much less sex positive era than today? It's challenging. And I'm thinking about a couple of women that I actually saw this week here in my private practice in New York City. And one woman was telling me she that she's just started and she's in her late 40s and her new boyfriend is in his late 50s. And she was telling me that she loves oral sex and that he spends about a half a second <laughs> just touching her or kissing her in a way that is actually really a turnoff. So what we did is that we role played and I was able to help her not only give her permission because she really does want to deal with this and not let this just become more and more frustrating for her. But I was able through the role play to help her find the words and the way to say it well so that we were not going to devastate this poor new boyfriend. And yet (laughs) at the same time, she does need to communicate we just need to say it because whether or not you're talking about sex or any other issues, I mean, repressing our feelings is never going to get us what we want. So we do need to find the right time and we do need to think about how we are going to express our feelings, particularly when it is really a sensitive subject. Actually, it just occurred to me because 
I talk to so many people now that I'm sort of in the menopause wellness space that we need to advocate for our health, but it sounds like we need to advocate for our sexual desires and needs. Absolutely. Because listen, our partners, people are not mind readers. Now, sometimes you may be lucky that you're with somebody where the chemistry and the touching and everything that it just works. But what I have found over the past 35 years, I've treated thousands of people for present with a variety of different kinds of problems, including sexual issues. We have to let people know what it is that we want and what it is that we don't want. You have to ask for what you want in the bedroom, out of the bedroom, at work on the tennis courts. Otherwise, we're putting ourselves in a position where the probability of getting what we want is going to diminish greatly if we don't step up to the plate and be proactive. Well, okay. So you love your partner and now you guys have been together for decades. Two questions. One, how do you keep the sizzle in your sex life after so long? And two, what if you're suddenly experiencing menopausal symptoms, lower libido, vaginal dryness, like new obstacles? Can you talk about that? People's sexual relationships are obviously going to change over time. And the same kinds of very hot, hot feelings that we may have had in year one and year two, I mean, they're going to change in year 25 and year 30. And yet... I think that it is really important that we do not let our sex lives go. Maybe you're not feeling it, but yet if we touch each other and if we touch ourselves in certain ways, the body usually is going to take over and there is going to be some feelings of, or hopefully, of sexual arousal. But again, there needs to be the open dialogue about this. Otherwise, I mean, I've seen couples that haven't had sex in 10 years and longer. Then we're asking for trouble, especially if uh, one of the partners is still really sexually interested. So it's about doing things. It's about keeping ourselves attractive. It's about fantasy. It's about playfulness. So if a couple comes in and wow, that'd be amazing if the male is is supportive. So the female is struggling, say, with vaginal dryness. And so that, of course, puts tension in their sex life. So how do you do you recommend treatments or do you suggest that they go to a specialist? I like to rule out anything physical that may be going on or hormonally that is going on so that you can rule out any and all physical kinds of issues. And if you're using the example of of vaginal dryness, I mean, there are so many lubrication on the market that you can try. And a lot of it is just experimentation. And let's say that the woman is going through a phase where she has little or no sexual desire. I mean, she can still, you know, also try to pleasure her partner so that we all go through times where we're just 
not in the mood, but if we care about our partner and if we love our partner, we can take care of our partner's sexual needs until we are more up to speed. So it doesn't always have to be a joint kind of thing. I mean, there are times where you might say to your partner, I know you're stressed. I know you may not be interested right now, but I'm really feeling horny. I would just love to feel your tongue on my clitoris, or I would just love for you to touch me because I just feel like being close and maybe even having a couple of orgasms. So again, it's about giving ourselves permission to ask for what we want. And hopefully we're going to be with a partner who is going to be receptive to our needs. Beatty, how's your sex life? My sex life is really very, very satisfying. I'm so lucky. I have a wonderful marriage. I have a wonderful partner and our communication is really good. We've been married for six years. Things are very hot with us and I love it. But it's the loving part of the relationship too, for me, that really adds so much sizzle to our sex life. And we are both fortunately able to communicate very well in the bedroom, out of the bedroom. But there's there's going to be variation and there's going to be variation over the years and over the months. The thing too that I want to point out is that if you don't have a partner, it doesn't mean you can't have a sex life. In fact, I was the, oh my goodness, a uh, sort of a representative for a number of different sex toy companies over the years. And I have boxes and boxes and boxes of vibrators that they, <laughs> that they gave me. I have so many pretty boxes in my closet. It's amazing. And uh, so that people can go and buy some vibrators and get into a mood with yourself where you're going to be able to have fun, have orgasms and try different things so that you don't need a partner in order to be able to have a sex life. I asked a few friends or people that, you know, questions they would love to ask a sex therapist. And one was, my partner and I have not had sex in years. I feel like the store is closed. He wants to have sex. I don't. What if I let him go have sex with someone else? Wow. Well, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that this person is serious that it doesn't matter to her if her partner has sex with someone else, then so be it. But my experience has taught me and I know that people are, are operating in all kinds of different ways today that there is the potential for a lot of problems and a lot of distress. And before sending off her partner, again, I think that hopefully this woman would be willing to at least try to see if there are things that she could do to start to feel something sexually. And I used to tell my daughter all the time that the relationship needs to be the icing on the cake. We need to be the cake. We need to be solid. We need to have been willing to work through our issues past and present. Another question that came to me, so I'm in my 50s. Can I still get wild orgasms like I did in my 20s and 30s? Absolutely. 
absolutely. It may take a little bit of doing, but why not? Test it out with yourself. Get a vibrator. Fantasize. Watch porn. Figure out what it is that you want and need that's really going to turn you on. So I so appreciate everything that you've shared with us, BD. And if anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? The best way is to go to my website, which is bdcohen.com. So thank you so much, BD. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And I hope that the takeaway for people is that they feel more educated and empowered and safe and that we've been able to really give people permission to do what is in their best interest. Again, it's about communication. It's about giving yourself permission to ask for what you want. Now, we're not always going to get exactly what we want, but if we don't ask for what we want, we are definitely, definitely not going to get it. I like how she talks so positively about how to find ways to keep the sizzle in your sex life at any age. Yeah, and most importantly, talk to your partner about everything from how you feel in general to what you would like to do between the sheets and more. I mean, you can't expect to get what you want if you don't tell your partner what you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved all that. But I have to ask one question, guys. What do you think about scheduling sex. BD talks about it in this interview, and she's not alone in believing that you have to make time for sex, even schedule it. Few therapists have mentioned that and subscribed to that idea, but isn't that just not sexy? Where's the spontaneity? Don't you want your partner to just kind of pounce on you or grab you and throw you across the room or you grab him or her and dive in for a hot kiss and it's just like wow hell yes (laughs) that sounds good to me i mean right some of it is spontaneous for sure but a lot of it has to be planned in a way well think about it scheduling something that's incredibly sexy, that's good for you, it makes you feel good. So of course you're going to be looking forward to it and your partner is too, I hope. There's the anticipation, the sexy time, there's a fantasy and yeah, it's a lot to look forward to. It's hot as hell, I think. Well, I'm down with all of that. And if you put it that way, scheduled sex does sound really hot and playful actually. But let's talk about couples who are struggling with their sex lives. Like, how do you ask your partner who you haven't had sex with in years, hey, want to have sex Thursday night at 8 p.m.? I mean, I can see that person totally clamming up and thinking, holy shit, um, I'm not looking forward to that evening, that moment. I actually know someone who scheduled their sex night every Tuesday night. And... We were talking to her and she's like, so what are you doing? She's like, ugh, it's sex night tonight. <laughs> she was not looking forward to this. Oh my God. That's <laughs> when you go see a sex therapist. That's when you go see Beatty. <laughs> I mean, if you're scheduling something regularly, one night every week or one night every month or whatever it is, and you're just dreading that moment. Yeah. That's like going to the dentist. Yeah. Unless if you're married to a dentist. or <laughs> Okay. But I have to add one more thought. 
I have to say, I do believe in love at first sight. I don't care what BD says. I know. I, I mean, I have to admit, I want to believe in that too, kind of. Oh, God. <laughs> it's that romantic notion that's perpetuated with Hollywood. Oh, my God. All the butterflies and hearts are fluttering over my head. And, you know. Don't kill my dream, Judy. <laughs> well, there has to be a balance. I mean, you can't live by your heart alone. Like she even says, you know, you, you have to be aware of red flags, warning signs, not just like skipping around with this fantasy about a person, just like this is what Hollywood has done to us. Anyway, I need to go guys. We need to wrap up. Wait, what are you talking about? We're recording right now, Judy. Yeah, I was sorry. I have my sex date scheduled in an hour <laughs> and my alarm just went off. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, okay. And it's true. You can lose track of time when you're talking about sex. Okay. See ya, Judy. Uh, but don't worry, V-lovers. She'll be back. Yes. In fact, we'll all be back, but not before we take a short break from producing V-Love Hub. We need some V-Love sexy time. <laughs> we need some me time. And so we're going to take a break for a few weeks and we will be back with more episodes. So Stay tuned. And as a reminder, you can always listen to VLove Hub on your Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Amazon Music or wherever you listen to your pods. Share them with your friends and hopefully they'll enjoy it as well. Let's make this conversation about menopause louder than ever. See you soon. Love Hub is written and produced by Judy DeMello, Anne Katari, and Sue DeLara. Music by A Cloudy Sky. Post-production assistant, Max Podcasting. Please subscribe to our show wherever you download your pods. And for more information, please visit our website, vlovehub.com. That's V-L-U-V-H-U-B dot com. And follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. See you next week.